Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Today we are starting a brand new sermon series which will take us right the way through the autumn term, in which we are looking at the subject of the kingdom of God. The kingdom was the main thing that Jesus talked about and and demonstrated through his whole life and ministry. And essentially the message of the kingdom is this. God has not given up on this broken and pain-filled world. Rather, he is breaking in with his rule and reign, his kingdom, because he has a plan to put all things right again. And Jesus invites each and every one of us to enjoy the eternal life that comes from being part of God's kingdom and to play our part in building the kingdom as well. To be people as individuals and as a church through whom God brings blessing to our city and our nation and our world. And so through this series, we are going to look at the kingdom. We're going to consider what kind of kingdom is God building. We're going to look at the king of the kingdom, Jesus himself, and think what kind of king is he and what's it like to follow him. And we're going to ask, what does it look like for us as individuals and as a church to be missionaries of the kingdom, to bring God's blessing to this city that we love? And so we're going to touch on a whole load of different themes as we go through the series. But today I just want to start with this passage that we've heard read from Luke chapter 5, which is the call of Simon, one of the first followers of Jesus. And we're going to unpack two things about the call of the kingdom. We're going to see that the call of the kingdom is a call we receive, and secondly, it's a call that we share. So let's start where the passage starts. 
Jesus is teaching a whole bunch of people about the kingdom of God. And actually, early on in the Gospels, Jesus taught hundreds, if not thousands of people, but he chose 12 particular followers to be his disciples, his close-knit group of, of, of friends and followers who would join him in proclaiming the message of the kingdom. And as the Gospels go through, he calls actually 72 to do the same. And at the end of the Gospels, he commissions everyone who follows him, including us, to be people who proclaim the message of the kingdom. But here he is in Luke chapter 5, and he's got hundreds of people gathered round listening to his teaching about the kingdom. And Simon isn't actually one of them. Simon, we're told, is at the side of the story. He may have been listening in, but he's a fisherman and he has moored up his boat and he is cleaning his fishing nets. Now, if I were starting a kingdom movement of my own, which I am not, uh, and if I were looking for a group of followers, a small dedicated band of followers, I would probably start with the people who seemed most eager, the hundreds who are looking in, who are hanging on my every word. That's not where Jesus starts. Actually, Jesus is teaching these people, but then he turns to Simon, who is on the fringes of the crowd, and he calls him to be part of this kingdom movement. Jesus interrupts Simon's story with a call to be part of something far greater than just catching fish. Actually, he calls him to be a part of a movement that is so precious, so beautiful, that Simon is, at the end of the passage, willing to lay everything down in order to receive that call. The first thing I want you to see is this. The call of the kingdom is for everyone. It is not just a call to the religious type or the people who consider themselves close to God or most holy or most eager. Actually, Jesus is willing to interrupt anyone's story and call us to be part of something amazing, to be, call us to be part of his kingdom. We don't know how Simon's life had been up to this point. We don't know how he was feeling about his life and his career. Maybe he was perfectly content being a fisherman. We don't know. But we do know that on this particular occasion, at this moment of his calling, he's frustrated. We're told that he and his crew had worked hard all night and hadn't caught anything. They had been fishing on the lake all night and, and it had been fruitless. They had nothing to show for their hard work. And you can kind of hear the weariness in his voice, the fruitlessness of it. And of course, for Simon, it wasn't just that he'd had a bad, unproductive day at the office. Actually, having no fish, having not caught anything, affected his livelihood. If he had no fish to show, he had nothing to sell. He had no way of, of getting money to feed himself or his family. So Simon, at least at this moment, is lacking financial security and he is lacking job satisfaction and he is tired. And if you were to come alongside Simon at this point in the story and ask him, well, what do you really need right now? Chances are he'd say, well, I just need a net full of fish that would sort all my problems. And it's at this moment that Jesus comes and meets with Simon. I wonder if you can relate to him in any way. I think all of us long for things like Simon does. We long for financial security and job satisfaction and uh, labour that is fruitful and feels productive. And of course, those are good things. Like, I want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to do something that I'm passionate about. Like, it's good to long for those things. But we live in a city and in a world that often encourages people to tire themselves out in the pursuit of those things, thinking that they are going to give us an ultimate sense of satisfaction. And you know what? They don't. They can't. 
is often, paradoxically, in the moment of getting the things you think you are longing for, that you find that's not really it. <laughs> there must be something more. And what I thought was the deepest longing in my life actually isn't. There is something deeper that I need fulfilled. The actor Jim Carrey famously said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I think he's right. And I think that's kind of what we see here in this story. See, Simon has been longing for a catch of fish. He's been working for it. And at Jesus' command, he casts his nets out into the water. And to his surprise, he brings in this catch that is absolutely enormous. We're told it is so huge, he has to get other ships to come along and help out. And they take on so many fish that these ships that are built to contain fish are in danger of sinking. I don't know how many fish it, it, it takes to make ships feel in danger of sinking and nets in danger of bursting, but that is an enormous catch. This would represent huge financial success for Simon and his crew, amazing job satisfaction. It was the thing that they were longing for. And yet in this moment, you kind of get the sense that Simon is looking at this huge catch, this, this catch, this thing he thought he was longing for, and he realizes that's not it. There's something more. The passage says when Simon Peter saw the catch of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees in the midst of the fish and he said, get away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Encountering the king of the kingdom, encountering Jesus just causes Simon to rethink everything he felt he was living for. It changes everything. In that moment of actually getting the thing he'd been working hard for and pursuing, he realises there's something more that I need. Something internal. Actually, he says, get away from me. I am a sinful man. It's like he realizes that he has spiritual needs, not just material ones. His inner life needs transformation. He needs forgiveness from sin. He needs restoration into relationship with the God that is standing in front of him. And in this moment, he actually pleads with Jesus, get away from me. But Jesus says, no, 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 don't be afraid. And he calls him into relationship. He calls him to give up the things he thought were precious and worth pursuing and instead be part of something far greater, not just catching fish, but being involved in catching people. Jesus gives Simon a brand new calling, the call of the kingdom, and it is so precious to Simon that he kneels in amongst these fish and he lays down everything to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is, I believe, the answer to our deepest longings. Nothing will fulfill and satisfy the human soul more than connection with your creator, relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I have come to believe that myself and be convinced of that both intellectually and experientially. Following Jesus has utterly transformed my life and I believe it would do the same to you. Now, I am aware that is a huge claim and one that needs some unpacking and exploring. But my appeal to you is this. If you are not a follower of Jesus, would you consider the claims of Jesus? Would you consider the nature of his kingdom and decide, is there something in him that is worth giving up everything for? Can my needs and longings truly be met in him in a way they can't through other things? If you have never explored seriously claims about Jesus, then I would highly recommend the Alpha course. It's a course that we run. Many, many people have done it and found it to be a really helpful way to explore questions about meaning, purpose, life, hope, God and Jesus. 
We'll be starting Alpha courses actually hopefully right the way through this autumn term. And so if you would like to join us on one of these courses, I'm sure you would enjoy it. You can find information at christchurchlondon.org forward slash alpha. Just let us know your details and we'll let you know as soon as our next course is starting. It would be great to have you there. Jesus calls Simon to live for a different new value system. He calls him into the kingdom. And Simon recognises there is something so beautiful, so precious about this calling that he lays down his nets and gives everything up to follow him. The first thing we see is that the call of the kingdom is a call we receive. But secondly, it's a call that we share. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus gives Simon a calling that that basically takes his old passions for fishing and applies it to the kingdom. He says, what you've been good at up to now, you're now going to be good at that for God and for his purposes. I'm going to use your skills and passions to further the kingdom. And essentially, Jesus calls Simon to share what he has experienced, to be a fisher of people. That is to draw other men and women to relationship with God, just as Jesus has drawn him into relationship and into the kingdom. This is our calling too. I want to suggest that one of the ways that we can best be a blessing to our city right now is to see ourselves as fishers of people, those who share the good news about Jesus so that we can draw men and women into relationship with him. You know, right now, people in the city and in this world are longing for hope and meaning and purpose and peace and security like like never before. Only it's not obvious to many of them that Jesus is the answer to those deep longings. So it is our responsibility and our privilege to get to help people encounter Jesus, to find their deepest longings for life to the full, fulfilled through him. We are called to be fishers of people. The kind of Christianese word for that is evangelism, which comes from the Greek word euvangelion, which means good news. In essence, we are called to both communicate and be good news to this hurting world. Now, if you're anything like me, maybe you heard that word evangelism and it kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit. Uh, Maybe it makes you cringe. Maybe you have particular ideas of what evangelism is like. Uh, Maybe you have experienced it being done insensitively or unhelpfully, Uh, either you doing it in a way you've been ashamed of or, or actually you having it done to you in a way that feels awkward. Or maybe you just feel like Simon in this story, like I've tried talking about my faith, but it's just not brought in a catch at all. Maybe you've tried talking to friends about Jesus and you've been met by kind of disinterested uh, responses or maybe even hostility. Maybe you feel a bit like Simon, like why would I bother trying again? I've worked hard on this in the past. I'm just going to give up. Well, I want to challenge and invite you to respond like Simon does here in this passage. You see, Jesus says to him, cast out the nets. And Simon essentially says, well, master, like, you know, I've tried this. You know, it hasn't brought any fish in. Why would I try it again? But because you say so, I will cast out the nets. And in that step of faith, in trusting Jesus and taking what must have felt like a crazy, odd leap of faith, casting out the nets again with no expectation of fruitfulness, Simon gets to experience the greatest miracle of his life to date. You know, we are longing and praying for a miracle like that. One of the things that we have been talking about and feeling stirred to pray for is revival. I am longing to see God move in power, drawing people into relationship with him in their multitudes. I am longing to see God do in our day, in our city, what he has done in many times before. 
You read the stories of the Welsh revival or the Hebridean revival or the Azusa Street revival or many other revivals, times where God moved in power and saved thousands and thousands of people. I am longing for that here. I am longing for the evangelistic equivalent of nets breaking because there are so many people wanting to get into the church to find out about God. I am longing for that. I hope you are too. But what I find fascinating about this passage and what I really believe is that I don't think it's just good enough to pray for that, to pray for revival as if it's something that God is going to do by himself. He actually asks us to partner with him for revival. We are to pray for God to move in power, but we're also to play our part as well. Jesus gets into Simon's boat, but he doesn't say, hey, Simon, just sit back. I'm going to do all the work. Watch me cast out the nets. Watch me draw the fish in. Actually, Jesus commissions Simon and he calls him to take a step of faith. He says to Simon, I want you to throw out the nets. And he says the same to us. We can pray for revival until we're blue in the face, but unless we also partner with God by taking steps of sharing the good news about Jesus, I don't think we're ever going to see those longings for revival fulfilled in our day. Jesus calls out us to throw out the nets, to trust him, to be obedient and to see what he will do. And what I love is this. Even though Simon has to take a step, he has to put the work in. Ultimately, what brings in the catch of fish isn't really Simon's effort. He just had to take that first step of faith. But the thing that makes the difference is not him doing anything new. He just did exactly the same as he did the night before. It's not a new strategy. It's the presence of Jesus that makes the difference. You see, Jesus wasn't in his boat that fruitless night, but Jesus was there now. And it was obedience to Jesus and his empowering presence that brought in the enormous catch. The same is true for us. I want to put it to you that the thing that will bring about evangelistic success in us, the thing that will help us to see many, many, many people reconciled into relationship with their creator is not a new strategy. It's not coming up with clever new ways of sharing the gospel, important though those things are. It's simple obedience and the empowering presence of Jesus. When you get to the end of the Gospels and you read on into the book of Acts, one of the first things we see is Jesus commissioning his disciples to share the good news of the kingdom. And he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It is the presence of God himself through his Holy Spirit that empowers us to draw people to him. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, Simon Peter, this fisherman that we've heard about today, he is standing there, he's preaching the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and we're told that 5,000 men had begun following Jesus at this point. That's just the men, not even counting the women and children. Who knows how many people have responded to the good news? But Peter is preaching this message, and it says that when the rulers saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. These guys didn't have the education or the expertise to preach like this. What made them so fruitful? It says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I wish that could be said of me. I wish that people would look at my life and say, by all rights, this guy shouldn't be as effective as he is. He doesn't have the expertise or the education. Like, what is it about him that is so different? What is it about him that that when we hear him speak, we encounter Jesus and people just want to get to know him? I would love it if people looked at my life and just thought there can be no explanation for this guy except that he knows Jesus, that he is empowered by his presence. I long for that to be said of me. Don't you? 
I long for that to be said about us as a church, that we so embody the presence of Jesus, that we are obedient to him and we are empowered by his presence, that people come to their faith in their thousands when they encounter us. Now, I am not naturally great at evangelism. I am an introvert. I find it awkward starting faith conversations. I have to work really hard at this. But I know that the times where I have been most effective have been where I've been honest with God and I've said, like, I'm not good at this. I feel it's really awkward. I I don't know where to start, but I'm going to be obedient. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? When I was at university, I, my faith really started to come alive. I started to experience and learn about the power of the Holy Spirit. I started to trust him more. And one of the major things that changed, I mean, lots changed, but, but one of them was that I started to be way more bold about sharing my faith and way more effective as well. It's not like suddenly I became like Simon Peter and I saw 5,000 people come to faith in one day. I don't think I've hit anywhere near 5,000 in my entire life. But I did have the privilege of leading two housemates to Christ of being involved in running Alpha courses where the whole group would would begin following Jesus. Some of those people are still following him today and in positions of Christian leadership. And there is nothing like the privilege of getting to invite someone to meet Jesus for the first time, of getting to pray with them, of seeing them receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and a new eternal life. There is nothing like that. It is a huge privilege and it's what we are made for. If you have never experienced that, if you've never been able to be there and pray with someone as they begin to follow Jesus, you're missing out. It's what we were created to do. And it's one of the ways that we can be a real blessing. We need to trust Jesus. We need to rely on his Holy Spirit. We need to take those steps of faith and talk about him even when it feels awkward. Because when we do that, we give an opportunity for him to move in power. I don't know how you feel. Maybe you feel like Simon. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you feel like you've worked hard at this and and you've not seen any fruit and you're ready to give up. I want to encourage you to respond like he did here. To try again. To trust Jesus. To throw out your nets and see what he will do. To invite him to empower you and to allow him to use you for incredible things. I want to set us a challenge this week. I want to be bold and ask everyone who is watching this, would you respond to this challenge this week? In a moment, I'm going to put on the screen four challenges, four options, and I would love you prayerfully just to choose to do one of those, whichever one you feel most comfortable with. But I'd love it if every one of us did at least one of these things this week. We'll put them up on the screen. You may want to write them down or screen grab them or or whatever. The first is this. Why don't you invite someone to church? You may want to invite them to a live service. We've actually had new people at many of our live services, most of them since we started back. Or maybe just get the link and send them the link to church online. I heard of one person who set a personal goal that she would invite five friends to church online every single week since we have moved online. I just find that really inspiring. It's an easy thing to do. You don't have to ask five. Just send it to one person who you think may be interested this week. That's the first challenge. Or maybe that's not for you. Second challenge is this. Why not invite someone to the steps launches that are happening on Thursday? Or maybe the managing stress seminar that's happening on Wednesday. Both of those might be easier asks for some people rather than inviting someone to church because they are events with a broad appeal that tap into things that all of us are experiencing, even if people aren't yet ready for those faith conversations. Why not try that this week? 
Or a third challenge, why not invite a friend to Alpha? I said earlier, we're hoping to launch Alpha courses right the way through the autumn term. Our first one will start in a couple of weeks time and we hope to regularly have opportunities for people to join Alpha. Why not invite a friend? Send them the link. Maybe look through the YouTube channel and find stories of other people who have found it really helpful. Maybe send them the video, invite them along. You might feel like I've done that before. I've asked my friends, they weren't interested. Well, you know what? This is an unusual season. Maybe people weren't in a place where they were, were aware of their need for God before. Maybe they are now. Why not? Throw out the nets. Try again. Don't worry about the fact it's been fruitless. Just trust Jesus and see what he'll do. Or maybe fourth challenge, rather than just inviting someone to Alpha, why don't you sign up to help us on Alpha? We would love, as I've said, to start Alpha courses right the way through the term, but we need people to help us on that. And serving on Alpha can be one of the best ways of getting over that awkwardness and learning to evangelize. It's a really easy thing to be involved in. There's a video to watch every week. You don't have to do a talk. There are questions that you can talk through. It's really fun just getting to know people and it's a real privilege to see them get to know Jesus. I'm gonna be serving on Alpha this term, not because I'm really great at it and I, I, I just really wanna be involved. I am nervous about it, but I know that I need to grow in sharing my faith and this is a brilliant way to do it. So if you are interested in either joining me and helping to lead it or, or leading one of the other courses, get in touch with us. In fact, Andy Tilsley is coordinating it all. Email him, andy at christchurchlondon.org. We would love to have you on board. And actually, it's way easier to invite someone to something that you're involved in as well. So perhaps if you want to join in, uh, you can do challenges three and four, uh, not just the one. Maybe get involved in helping to lead Alpha and invite friends to come along to it as well. Just think what would happen if everyone watching this video today just did one of those challenges. There could be 600 people in London this week who get a chance to encounter Jesus. Imagine what would happen if we were to make a lifetime discipline of doing that, of trusting Jesus, of throwing out the nets, of opening up conversations, of relying on the Holy Spirit and giving him an opportunity to move in power, to draw people to himself. I want to pray for us as we come back into worship. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to help us as we step out in faith this week. Why don't you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you that you call us into your kingdom and you offer us new life. Would you fill us now with your Holy Spirit and empower us to share our faith this week? For those of us who feel discouraged or fearful, would you fill us with your courage and fill us with your power? As we throw out our nets this week, I pray that you would draw people to yourself in their multitudes. This week, would you help each of us to take steps of faith? Would you bless every conversation and every invitation and give us the amazing privilege of being used by you to draw people into your kingdom? We need you, Holy Spirit, and we open our hearts to you and we open our mouths to speak your good news. Would you use us for your glory in Jesus' name? Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to christchurchlondon.org.